theme for today, we're talking about water and the waters of life. And I want to start out today by asking you a question. This is like a really deep existential question, so if you don't have an answer for it, uh, that's totally fine, but just to kind of get the brain, you know, the brain cells working, it's, it's early, right? Uh, here's a question. What do human beings want more than anything? What do human beings want more than anything? Or let's personalize this a little bit more. What do you want more than anything? What is it you long for? What is it that you desire above all else? And depending on what season you're walking through in life, you're probably going to answer that question a little bit differently, right? Like if you're a, if you're a single mom, if you're an engaged couple, if you're an elderly widow, an elementary student, a homeless person, an immigrant family, they're all going to have different responses to that question. But the truth is that to be human is to have these desires, is to have these longings, things that we need to be healthy and strong and to thrive as God intended. And another way to put this is that we have a thirst that needs to be quenched. We all have a thirst that needs to be quenched. And Jesus knows this. He knows that we are thirsty people. And what does it mean to to thirst, by the way? Well, thirst isn't something that you just kind of work up on your own. It's like, I'm going to try really, really hard to get thirsty. It's not how it happens. Thirst comes naturally by lacking something. So to be physically thirsty means that you lack water, right? So let's bring this home. What do you lack this morning? What do you lack? What do you thirst for? That's where we're headed. So Jesus, in our passage this morning, this is going to be in John chapter 4, beginning at verse 4. I'm going to read through verse 26. And this is Jesus meeting the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman at the well. I'll ask you to rise as I read through this. And this is a little bit longer of a passage, but we're going to see here Jesus meets her in a very profound way. John chapter 4, beginning at verse uh, 4. And he had to pass, this is Jesus, Jesus had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. Sixth hour would have been around noon. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, 
Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying you have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You will worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Just then his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman. For no one, but no one said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and came away into town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? Gracious God and Heavenly Father, I pray this morning that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts would be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. You may be seated. I got to tell you, I'm pretty excited. Well, most Sundays I'm pretty excited about what I have to preach because like I've spent all week kind of marinating on this text and I get to share it with you. This is, today is just like over the top. I've never preached on this particular passage before, but as I was, was reading through it and studying it, I realized, man, this is a really profound and unique encounter that Jesus has with this woman of Samaria at the well. We could do a whole sermon series on it. Don't worry. I'm not going to. Uh, instead, I've got three points for you, because Jesus taps into something deeply human here. The truth is that there are certain things that you, me, every human being on this earth are thirsty for, whether we recognize it or not, whether we're willing to name it as such or not. I believe that, like the woman at the well, we all thirst for three things. Here it is. A place to belong, a wound to be healed, and a sin to be forgiven. You're a human being. These are the longings that you have. Not all the longings, but you have a longing for, you need a place to belong, a wound to be healed, a sin to be forgiven, just like this woman. So you have to get something about the history of the Jews and the Samaritans a little bit to understand what's going on here in this story and how like massive of a thing it is that Jesus is actually talking to a Samaritan. So the Samaritans were considered by the Jews to be a a half-breed type of people. In 722 BC, the Assyrians, who were just this this world superpower, they came in, they conquered Israel, and they sent many of the Israelites into exile. But the Assyrians did this thing too, where when they conquered a nation, they would move in other foreign peoples, right, who had other foreign gods and religions of their own to repopulate that area. That's what happened in the northern kingdom of Israel. 
And when these new people moved in from other tribes and tongues, they intermarried with many of the Israelites. The resulting race was the Samaritans, this new kind of people that was formed. And there was just this, this terrible, bitter rivalry between the two groups, the Jews and the, uh, the Samaritans. It, it was really a, a type of racism in that day and age. Um, so racism is not a, a, certainly not a new thing. Sometimes it got so bad that the Romans had to be called in to actually settle disputes. I think there's one account I was reading where Samaritans like snuck into the Jewish temple at night and, you know, like graffitied over the, it's just like childish almost the way they did it, but the, in, in the temple they, they messed it all up and everything. Uh, Jews, they worshipped at Jerusalem, of course, the, the center of Jewish religious life. Samaritans on Mount Gerizim, which is not too far away. And as, as this encounter is occurring between Jesus and the woman, that mount that's so important in Samaritan religion, Mount Gerizim, would have been visible right there in the background. Samaritans only accepted the Pentateuch, which is the first five books of the, of the, of the Bible, right? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Whereas the Jews, rightly so, accepted the prophets and the writings, the Old Testament as we have it today. The Jews considered Samaritans unclean from birth. So for Jesus to interact with a Samaritan, much less share a drinking utensil with them, Jesus is breaking all sorts of norms here with this woman at the wall. It was pretty shocking, maybe even scandalous. But it gets worse. Not only was this person a Samaritan, she was a woman. And at that time, women were considered inferior to men in many ways. Uh, usually, women would come to gr in groups to the well, and they would come in the early time of the day or in the, the evening because um, this was a, the arid desert. It's really hot, right? So they would, they would do that to avoid the heat. What's unique about this story, though? The woman is coming like right at noon, kind of right in the, the heat of the day, and she's all alone. All alone under the blazing sun, probably because of her checkered past, which we'll get to in a moment. Bearing the heat of the day by herself, shouldering the burden of water without any help, living as an ostracized woman among an ostracized people, and ostracized even further because of her own past. Man, if there was ever someone who was thirsty for a place to belong, it was this woman. You know, sometimes we read this story and we think, this is how I, I kind of approached it throughout my whole life. It's like, yeah, there's this horrible, sinful woman. Jesus does this whole gotcha thing, right? Like, he doesn't come right out and, and directly confront her on her sin so much. It's more, he just, he just like asks her, you know, a question, tells her to call her husband. He's like, you're right, you don't have the one you're living with now is not your husband. Ha-ha, gotcha. And then he goes all fire and brimstone on her. But that's not actually what happens. If we look at the story, you see that Jesus just had so much compassion for her. He had so much compassion. He recognized that this woman is the walking wounded. He saw that. She's hurting. She's had a really, really tough life, and she's got the scars to prove it. This is someone with really, really deep wounds. 
Like I said, women in that day were, in many ways, seen as inferior to men. They didn't have any rights apart from their husbands. It was actually worse than this. Get this. So some rabbis taught this thing, apparently, that uh, even talking to a woman, you were putting your soul in jeopardy of hell. Because by talking to your, even your wife, by talk, spending time talking to your wife, that's taking time away from your study of the Torah, the Bible, and so you're jeopardizing your salvation by talking to your wife. Guys, I dare you to try that one the next time your wife wants to have a conversation. Sorry, honey, I wish I could, but you know, my soul and everything. Um, other rabbis said that giving women access to the Torah was as inappropriate as selling them into prostitution. Female Samaritans were considered menstruants from the cradle and therefore perpetually unclean. But this woman takes the cake. She had five, count them, five husbands. And we don't know what happened to them. It seems unlikely that all five of them would have died. Could have happened, but the more probable explanation is that they divorced her. And remember, only men could initiate divorce in that day and age. And they could do it for pretty much any reason. So it wasn't like she was some nefarious black widow character who's like trying to, to fleece all of these men one after the other. That wasn't even a, a possibility. The initiative had to be the man's. So in a very real sense, this woman was not just a perpetrator, but a victim of the sexism, racism, and bigotry of her culture. And she bore the hurt and pain of that herself. She had an open wound that desperately needed healing. Pain, trauma, hiding, words like that, th those are all pretty common of experiences like hers. There's so much we don't know about this woman and the unresolved pain and trauma of her past. And that's what Jesus was getting at, right? He, he saw the hurt. He saw he saw that tender spot, that soft spot that, that even that woman did not want to go to. And Jesus, he makes a beeline for it. And he wants to minister to her right there. One New Testament scholar says this. It seems Jesus' intention in mentioning these things was not to create a sense of guilt, but to confront the pain in her relationships with men. Certainly part of what's going on here. We all long for a wound to be healed. Let's jump back into verses 16 through 17. So I'll read these two verses one more time. Jesus said to her, go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. I love what Jesus does here. This woman was living with someone who was not her husband, implying this is someone that she's having sexual relations with apart from marriage, which is a sin. But rather than coming at her with guns blazing, Jesus takes this much more gentle approach. He doesn't confront her wrongdoing head on. He kind of just he takes it at more of an angle letting her discover it through conversation. 
which always seems to be the best way to go about something like that, right? Allowing the other person to come to that knowledge and discover that on their own. Uh, One Reformation era, era pastor explains it like this. This is so good. He said, because his purpose was to help the poor woman, Jesus did not want her to be provoked, but led. Not provoked, but led. Gradually and gently to recognition and sense of her own uncleanness. See, this whole conversation between the woman and Jesus, it almost reads like ships crossing in the night, right? Like Jesus is talking about the one thing and the woman is talking about something else and they, they kind of think they're on the same page. They're really not because all this woman is thinking about is H2O, like physical water. Physical, like how do I get this physical water? And Jesus is trying to use this encounter to show her something more, something deeper. She thinks that he's got some secret well, like hidden somewhere, that can magically satisfy her thirst. But when Jesus talks about physical water, he does not mean hydrogen and oxygen. He's talking about something different, a spiritual thirst. And he knows where she can find that cool drink of water. Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And this Samaritan woman was thirsty. She was thirsty for a place to belong, a wound to be healed, and a sin to be forgiven. I don't know where you're at this morning. I don't know where you're at in terms of finding a place to belong or how established your relationships and friendships are. I don't know what kind of wounds you're carrying around with you. I don't know what kind of mistakes you have in your past that haunt you to this day. But I do know this. Jesus wants to give you a place to belong. Jesus wants to heal your wounds. Jesus wants to forgive your sin. That's why he went to the cross, so that everyone who believes would never have to thirst again, but would be satisfied. We have this tendency as human beings to try to quench our own thirst, right? Whether that's physical or spiritual. Have you noticed this? We try everything under the sun to satisfy that thirst. If you, if you don't believe me, read the book of Ecclesiastes. He figured it out thousands of years ago. None of this satisfies. We try everything under the sun. Sex, money, work, projects, power. Name your poison. The problem, though, is that at some point, all of those wells that we dig, they're all going to dry up. They're all going to let us down. They're, they're not going to satisfy us. The prophet Jeremiah puts it like this, Jeremiah 2.13. He says, for my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. See, they've, they've done two things. They've, they have forsaken God, the, the true fount of, of living water, right? The only one that can satisfy. And then they've gone off and they've dug their own wells. 
We spend our whole lives trying to satisfy that thirst, don't we? And man, we will dig well after well after well. And digging wells is hard work. And sure, maybe one lasts for a while, but eventually we move on to the next. We always get thirsty again, and we got to dig another. And it's exhausting and deeply unsatisfying. But here's the truth, dear friends. There is only one well that will satisfy your greatest thirst, and it has already been dug. All the work has already been accomplished at a cross at Calvary 2,000 years ago. You don't have to do anything to quench your thirst. You just have to open your mouth and drink and receive the satisfaction that only comes from Jesus. Pastor Jacob Smith puts it this way. Jesus has come so that you might stop striving for your own identity and drink deeply of the gospel. Amen. We thirst for a place to belong. Jesus gives us that by adopting us into his family, into his church. And we're gathered here on a Sunday, but we need more than that. We need time to connect with one another relationally throughout the week. And this is why here at Elam we offer all sorts of things like, like Bible studies and, and kids club and things like that because we need each other. We need that regular human connection. We all thirst for our wounds to be healed. Whatever your pain or suffering or trauma, Jesus knows about it. And I mean like all about it. You don't have to explain it to him or, or justify it to him. And he sees you. And your woundedness does not repel him but draws him to you. You have a Savior who is intimately familiar with your wounds because He bore them Himself on the tree and He wants to heal them. We all thirst for our sins to be forgiven. Jesus provides that too, fully and completely, by shedding His own blood to forgive you, to credit you fully with the righteousness of Christ and to make a way for you to have a relationship with God. Only He can satisfy our deepest longings. And He's always there, beckoning us to the well, to come to drink the living waters so that we will thirst no more. You've maybe heard this quote from C.S. Lewis, but it's so good, I've got to share it. He says, If I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. We were, more, we, were, we were made for more than H2O. Put it that way. We were made for living waters. May we come to the well this morning with open minds and hearts ready to, to drink it in because Christ alone can quench our thirst. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, uh, we come before you today confessing that there are times when we, 
abandon the true source of living waters and seek to dig wells of our own. God, we confess our hearts are prone to wander. We feel it, prone to leave the God we love. We thank you that you, like the good shepherd, always go after your lost and straying sheep. I pray that you would create in us a desire to, to drink deeply from you and, and from your word. God, bring our hearts to, to a, a place where, where you can reach us, where you can meet us, where we can find a, a place to belong, a, a wound to be healed, and a sin to be forgiven each and every day. God, we have a number of prayer requests we want to lift up before you. And we give you all thanks and praise for giving us gifts and talents. And thank you so much for Joy Crawl, who recently placed in the state wrestling tournament sixth place. And thank you that uh, you were using her, God, and working through her and um, cultivating her skills and her talents. And thank you for the chance she has to use those to their full ability. I pray that you would continue to protect her and, and to grow her into the person you need her to be. God, we pray for our new church treasurer. We don't know who that will be. <laughs> we know that we have a need there, and uh, we know that you are the provider. And so we come before you with empty hands, knowing that uh, you will meet even that need. We think of our family prayer focus for the week, Steve and Randy, Kleinfin family. God, I pray for safety for them as they continue to farm. We pray for health for their cattle and for their family. We ask for spiritual nourishment that you would continue to provide through your word and through the family of God. We also want to lift up to you Dave and Debbie Thompson, our missionaries with Brazil Gospel Mission Fellowship and their new church plant that they're working on trying to call a Brazilian pastor. God, we don't know who that will be, but you do, and I pray that you would open doors for that. I pray that you would give the people making those decisions wisdom and discernment to uh, to be on the same page, create a unity of spirit, and uh, pray that you would fill that gap, Father, in your own way and in your own time. Thank you for the opportunity, God, to be your people. I pray that as we leave here today, we would know that we are called, commissioned, and sent not to just keep this, this good word, this, this living water to ourselves, but to share with others, to pass it around, because everyone needs a drink of it. In Jesus' name, amen. I'll ask you to rise this morning as we sing our closing hymn, Come Thou Fount, number 35. Come Thou Fount.
this point, I'll ask the ushers to come forward as we collect and receive this morning's offering. This is a response that we are able to, to give back to God out of His abundance to us. We are able to give freely uh, back to Him as well. Let's pray. Gracious God and Heavenly Father, thank you for the gifts you give us. I pray that you would take these, use them, multiply them to build your kingdom here in Osakis and beyond. In Jesus' name, amen. As the ushers are taking the offering, I will uh, just mention we have the opportunity to respond to the message that we've just heard uh, by all of these wonderful opportunities to connect. If you look at the right side of your bulletin, you'll see there are all sorts of, of things that are, that are happening. Um, and here at Elam, really, we're, we're kind of about th three different things, right? We rest in the gospel, which is to say we believe in the gospel, we have faith in the gospel, and we, we trust in Christ's finished work for us. And then we grow in Christ, and, and this is the, the opportunities we have to, to gather together as a body of, of believers. And there are a number of, of things that you'll see here under uh, this opportunity to, to grow as a body of Christ. And I'll just mention a couple of them. March 25th, is uh, we're going to have a hymn sing here at church at 6.15. There's an announcement for it. Details on the back of your bulletin. There's actually going to be supper at 5 o'clock, so this will be a great time to connect and, and to talk with people and to uh, sing praises to the Lord. Uh, so the hymn sing. One other thing I'll mention, too, April 14th to 15th, there's a basketball tournament in Fergus Falls that we would very much like to win. Uh, this is, uh, they do this every year. It's an awesome tournament, HIT basketball tournament. We did it, we had a team last year, and guys, we did win, we did win. So, since I've been here, we're 1-0. We need to keep the streak going, which means we need people to sign up to be on this team. Don't have to be a great basketball player. They have all sorts of divisions. If you want to play on the team, Linda, I'm seeing you nodding. Yes, you will join the, okay. Uh, talk to Stan by the end of this week sometime. That would be good. Um, so, HIT basketball tournament. Uh, and then as far as the, I'll mention too, just the, the whole resting in the gospel thing, right? We have the opportunity this Wednesday to gather around Lent, this time of preparation and we prepare uh, for Easter and we, we walk through the life of Jesus. And we're learning about prayer. We're learning a lot of different things about prayer. La last week we talked about how uh, prayer is simple. The week before it was prayer is, is vital. This week prayer is hard. We're talking about how hard prayer is. It's good and it's, it's simple. That does not mean it's easy. Uh, so we invite you to come and, and join us uh, as we participate together in that discussion. Um, and then you want to mark your calendars for April 6th. This is the week before Easter. There's the Monday Thursday communion service here at church at 6.30. So those are all the announcements I had. I'll dismiss you for Sunday school. Adult class is up here. Kids class in the basement. And uh, I'll leave you with this benediction. Okay, the bulletin says the women pray at AJ's, but, or at Abundant Life. They're actually back at AJ's. 7 a.m. Got that. Okay. Let me leave you with this benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you his peace. Amen. Amen.